We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and joining me from, man, where are you now, Doug? Where are you? Uh, where in the world is... Chicago, is Chicago. Yes, <laughs> where I'm at. The Windy City. Now, look, uh, the Windy City is cool, but are you freezing, or is it pretty nice there? No, actually, it's it's really it's really nice outside. Walkable weather, you know, a little rain, a little snow, but it, it's not, um, you know, it, it's not super. It's not Detroit. Detroit was freaking cold, cold. Now this is uh this is not bad at all. Not not a lot of um, wind outside. Totally totally nice, man. This is a, for this time of year, man. Chicago is beautiful. You know, I I love going to Chicago and. So for people out there, if, if you do ever get to Chicago uh, and you got a couple of days to kill, like the Kings have had a couple of days to kill there. I mean, you guys are spending four days total in Chicago, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but uh, if you ever get a chance, Doug, you got to go do like the Billy Goat. You got to go get a cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Um, but also you need to go do the Wrigley Field Tour. It's one of the most amazing tours ever. They take you into the dugout. They take you into the press box. They let you walk out onto the field, check out the Ivy. Um, it, it's a absolutely spectacular tour, and I think it's like thirty or thirty-five bucks. Uh, but a really cool way to spend like an hour and a half, two hours when you're in a different city. So, just my own personal thing, oh, Doug. Wow. If you ever get a chance, go check out the Wrigley Field tour. And also, if you uh, the boat tours are really cool through downtown Chicago um, because they take you through and they they do architectural tours. And they tell you like when the, the buildings were built and who built what and you know the, a lot of history about about the city of Chicago. So it's a beautiful city. Just some yeah, it is. That's that's awesome. Yeah, some some interesting Chicago trivia. So so Doug, uh, we're talking about Chicago and uh, Wrigley Field tours and uh, all this other stuff because um, I don't know if you or I really want to get to a, a full fledged basketball discussion at this point. Um, 
this what? Is... What's wrong with that? <laughs> this season is spun basketball out. Is, basketball is good, man. Basketball is good. Let's talk about it. Okay, so, uh, so Doug, in, in your opinion, what's going on? Because from, like, I've covered this team for a long time. This is my 10th season covering this team. I've seen some very, very bad seasons. I've never seen a team look like they quit this early in the season. And I didn't feel that way until their loss in Detroit where I saw a disinterest. I saw an ambivalence. Um, And to me, the best moments in that game were when Luke Walton went to a lineup of Corey Joseph with Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and Harry Giles. It's the only time I really saw the ball move and pop and things were happening. And two of those guys, that was the first game in a Kings uniform, um, at least as for this time around for Tolliver. Uh, he had been here before. But what are you seeing? And am I off? Am I off in my assessment that this team looks like they're done? No, yeah, I think you're off because I've been to the, the practices and I will tell you, and we heard this many times from uh, Jaeger last year talking about the fact that if you went to their practice, you would not think that this team had a losing record and you you wouldn't because they get after it there's a you know everything you just you would not feel that way but I I will say this I I think that they don't really realize what it's going to take to get out of where they're at at this particular time in that game the other night versus Detroit the game the game was right there in the first quarter they were playing some good defense getting hands on balls getting turnovers and then they they were soft with the conversion and they weren't converting them they got six eight turnovers and only two points off the turnovers they were up six points uh had the ability to extend the lead and and if you get up by 15 against a team like that they're going to go away and they're they're not going to come back and the kings weren't able to do it and unfortunately for the kings there's been so many times where they play to the level of their competition they allow the team to hang around and all of a sudden i said it on on the telecast is these players have the ability to get games you got an ex-mvp in derrick rose you got a guy in reggie jackson that was a good uh, guy behind russell westbrook came to um, detroit and became a starter and has the ability to he had fresh legs it was his first game and and he puts 20 plus up on the board those are the things that you just can't do the kings have to understand him that this isn't uh, – I use the analogy, if, you're, if you put your hands out in front of you and you ask somebody to give you something, your palms are up. But if you go to take something, well, your hands are going to be the other way. They're going to be facing down. And right now the Kings have to take it. No one's going to give it to them. Everything is going to go wrong. You're not going to get calls like they did. not De'Aaron dunks on the guy, gets hit in the face, no call. Demonia gets hit right in front of the referee. Both of them, the ref's looking right at it, no call. You can't cry to the refs. No one's going to feel sorry for you. You are absolutely going to have to take it. That type of energy is what you saw lacking. And I don't think it's a, they're not trying hard. They're not competing. But there's a, there's a sense of urgency and a level of nastiness that you're going to have to have to get out of this. And at this particular time, they don't have it for long enough periods of time. We see it in spurts. We see it in moments. That's not going to cut it. What's going to cut it is you're going to have to play a whole game. And you're going to have to shut up, no crying to the refs. And you're going to have to absolutely get after it. 
Yeah, I, I would like to think that they could do that, that, that there is a magical switch. Because to me, when I watch this team, I just don't understand. I don't, like, I, I've actually reached out to multiple people, like, can you help me walk through what is wrong? Because it's hard to put a finger on it. I, I will say this, they have talent. They, it's not a lack of talent, um, but you know I think a little bit of a of it, Doug, is that um, the Kings started out you know with a with a really bad start in the first five games of the season, but then they started to string together some really high quality efforts, and whether they won or not, they were in a bunch of ball games early, right? And so the the first part of the season, they had ten games that were decided by five points or less. And in those ten games, they were seven and three, and that's that's really good. In those, I mean, if you look at the the ball rolling out by Marcus Smart, um, and the Kings could have even won more. You know, if LeBron James gets called for an offensive foul as opposed to Harrison Barnes, the Kings probably beat the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers early in the season, and that would have been eight and two. Um, but what we kept hearing is that these close games are they're really a good learning experience. They're a great learning experience. We'll get through it, but you can't simulate this in practice. You can't, um, you know, you can't figure out, you have to go through this, right? You have to go through these tight games in order to come out the other side a better team and a stronger team. And I think there was a point where um, that learning experience, Doug, it went from this is a good thing to the oh no here we go again thing and I think that's where we're at with this team right now they're in uh oh it's falling apart we're going to lose and and to be honest with you Doug after they started seven and three they have lost 10 straight in games that were decided by five points or less so they're now seven and 13 in 20 games right. that were decided by five points or less and they're not learning from those experiences they're it's almost like it's breaking their will, and I and I don't know how you you break that cycle, um, and I don't you know again this is a it's a dark time when I look at this team and I go you have way too much talent to be struggling like this. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with you. They they do have too much talent, and you know what you want to do when you are competing and you're learning is you don't want to do the things multiple times over and over again. And I think that that's that's what you're seeing. And one of the things that you got to understand when you talk about breaking wheels and different things like that. That's where you learn who's who and what is what, Ham. That's part of the process that the Kings are going through as you talk about building culture and all these different things that has to be defined is uh, character gets defined when you are in down moments and what do you do then? And I talked about when you get down four and six points, you got to extend your defense and, and you have to get after people with a nastiness that we don't see. When you talked about earlier in, in what you just said is you don't understand. I, I went back to that a little bit too, because I had to digest and the, the difference. And I asked uh, Luke Walton this uh, yesterday talking, he was on the air with me and Grant on, on Grant's radio show. 
And it was the difference in the first half of the Indiana Pacers game in Indiana to where we are today is that's the talent that you have. That's the aggressiveness and all those things. And what ends up happening is once you start losing, you can't allow that mentality in. And some of this is Foxy has to has to learn how to you know it's a lot of responsibility for a young player to be able to lead a team like this and micromanage all the different personalities but that's what comes along with having the type of talent that he has when you have world-class talent and you have that ability you have to figure out a way to navigate these things and that's just part of the business and I think that him taking that next step his injury I don't think helped him because now you're behind the eight ball and there's some losses that you should have won and all these different things. It's not an excuse, it's a reality, but it just takes me back to they're at the, the point where it, it's not about X's nose and all those things. You got to go out there and you got to beat the hell out of somebody and you're going to have to kick somebody's ass and you're going to have to deal with the consequences if they don't like you and all those different things because that's where you're at. These are fundamental things that we're talking about that happen on a night-to-night basis. If we go back and we talk about, oh, yeah, you said, oh, they're competing at a high level, and then they have terrible third quarters. And then one night it's not making free throws. But these are IQ things when we start talking about not if if I'm not hitting uh, my three-point shot, at some point, Ham, I have to say, you know what, I'm going to put it on the deck, and I talk about this on the telecast. I put it on the deck, I get to the hole, or I collapse the defense and I kick it out. When the Kings do that, they get better-looking three-point shots, and they have a higher uh, percentage of knocking them down. But during the game, you have to digest all of that information and make the right play for the Sacramento Kings to win the ball game. And when they do it, it looks good. When they don't do it, it looks really bad. You know, Doug, it's funny. You brought up De'Aaron Fox, and um, he's been back for 17 games, right? The Kings are 3-14 yep. since he returned from injury. And to me, that doesn't yep. make any sense. And I'm not going to put it on De'Aaron because, to be honest with you, I think he's played really hard. But I do think that they have some players who um, are, number one, hunting shots, which is not good at all. Um, I think Luke Walton... Uh, may need to shake up his starting lineup, and I think Luke Walton may shake up his starting lineup. And I don't know if he will or not for sure, but it certainly got to a point where, you know, again, like just to call out a specific player, which I know everyone is harping on at this point, but Buddy Heald is hunting shots. He's looking for numbers. And and I don't think he's... I don't know if he's intentionally doing it, but... When he's not playing defense at all on one end and he's turning the ball over and then he's going on the other end and he's just looking to get his three-pointer off, um, that's not the mentality that wins games. It's, you know, you need Buddy Heald firing away and hitting shots and doing the right things, um, but you can't have him hunting shots. And um, that's that's you're seeing it from multiple guys. I mean, when you go through a stretch, and I'll even say Bogdanovich has done done it as well. I've seen him hunt shots as well. But when you get to a point that guys aren't thinking about the team and they're thinking about themselves, um, that's a huge issue. And I, it's it's an issue that I think a head coach has to has to like pull guys aside and, and do some real coaching here in this situation. Because if they don't, then this thing is going to – it can get worse. I mean, I, I wrote 
the other day uh, after the, the Detroit loss that they've hit rock bottom. But we always know that it, there's always a deeper bottom at, at every single turn. This is just, they've hit rock bottom through 44 games. This was the lowest point of the season where they played a game where you feel like they did not compete. And that's something that just, for me, it's unacceptable, especially with, with something like 38 games left in the season, Doug. You, you can't go that, that direction this early. No, you, you can't. What you got to do as a – you can just put it right here. Thank okay. you. That's my room service hamster. Doug's getting um, his room no, service you, on. Uh, absolutely. You know, a man got to eat, man. Can I keep the food in the warm or just take it out? <laughs> uh, you can leave it in there because I'm on, I'm on a uh, call. Thank you, man. Um, but you, you can't do that, Ham. What you you got to do when you—that's what I mean when you talk about hunting for shots and all those type of different things. What uh, the the team has to do is they have to learn how to play with a collective IQ for each other. The same, the, those same shots, you're going to get those. You know why? Because the ball has energy and it's going to find the person. Thank you, man. Have a good day. Um, the, it's going to find who it needs to find. And th- these are winning plays. And what frustrates me, and I know it frustrates Kings fans, is we see them do it at, for, for stretches, for moments. And when it happens, they, the talent that they have rises to a level that they are able to compete and play at an extremely high level. But then other times they they act like they they don't really know what they're doing out there on the court and that becomes frustrating so being around the team and being able to be at practice and stuff the one good thing is I I hear Luke and I hear him and I've seen him watch film and I see him break it down and rewind it and point out guys and and call guys out and that's really good and it's I, I know for me watching I'm like yeah that's exactly because ultimately that message, you got to keep chipping at it. You got to keep chipping at it. And ultimately that message gets through. And when it doesn't get through to your point, Ham, you do shake up the lineup. You do pull guys out. You do sit them for quarters. You do not let them close again. And all the things that we've seen Luke do it, but and fans don't want to hear this. That also takes time because it's a culture thing to know that, listen, I'm going to hold you accountable and you got to handle your business. And you got to make the right plays for the team because the team is what this is all about. Because ultimately, it's the it's what's on the front of the jersey, not what's on the back of the jersey. I agree one hundred percent with that. Now I'm going to ask you the the question that I think you know it really does define a team. Um, has Lou Walton lost the room, or does he still have the room? I think. I think he totally has to room him. Like I said, being at practice and watching them and listening to them and watching how they go about their business on the floor. Now, I'm not talking about in the game. I think that is more they've lost confidence with, uh, a little bit with each other. And it, it's when you see it go for five minutes and they get up by six or ten and then they lose it and over the course of the game they're losing it more than they're winning it that's a confidence among themselves i i think luke still totally has the room and watching him deal with them and watching how he talks to them and watching how they respond in practice yeah i i think that he that he totally does they just right at this particular time they're at the point where they just need goodwill they need to go out there and just get a win doesn't matter who it is where it is just to reinforce to themselves that, you know what, 
Vladi has put a collection of talent together that can go out here and win. We've seen them do it. We've seen them compete. I mean, that game in Miami, that Miami's second in the Eastern Conference or whatever they are. And they, regardless if they got Jimmy or they don't have Jimmy, they're a good ball club. They, they know how to play. They play hard. And the Kings played a, a good enough ball game to win. They didn't win. It. It's frustrating. I get it. You get down. That, but the game did not travel with you. It traveled for the first quarter in Detroit. And it was there to, to, to be had. You didn't do it. And it's almost like a, a kid that begins to pout. You can't pout, man. You got to keep fighting through. It's, and on the other side of that fight is going to be what you are searching for. So a, a long answer, yeah, I, I, from what I see and being around them, he totally has the room. I, in, in all honesty, I asked you that question, and I think he does too. Like, I, I do not think that they have quit on Luke Walton. Um, but you are getting to a point where the optics aren't good at all. And I tweeted this out the other night, um, but I have it on good authority that no changes are coming to the front office or to the coaching staff. That this is this is your, your moment where this is the group that will uh, finish the season, at least, and probably get an entire another season next, next year. Uh, this is the group that you have to go into battle with and figure it out. And I don't mean on the court. I mean off the court. This is Luke and uh, Vlade. They both signed four-year contracts during the summer last year. Um, I, I know Vivek has, you know, he can do whatever he wants at the end of the day. Uh, but he does have, right. you know, a lot of minority owners to answer to. Um, and And not to make excuses because at this point, um, I mean, I, in all honesty, I, like I, I think that you know, changing the coaching staff when you had a 39 win season, um, it could have gone one of two ways, and we're seeing the bad outcome. Uh, it could also have been a perfect fit, and and they take off. Um, I don't think that there was any middle ground there. Um, either you were going to have a team that regressed dramatically, or that took the next huge step. Um, and if you look at the Western Conference, it's been very soft all season. This is a team that we both thought would win closer to 45 games, maybe more than that. Um, and, and I think they have the talent level to do that. And I'll also point this out. like During the offseason, um, I remember very specifically every national outlet that I could remember raving, raving about the Buddy Hield extension. And I... I think that when you go back and you look at the, the people who graded free agency, they a, a huge percentage of people inside of Sacramento, outside of Sacramento, nationally believe that the acquisitions of Dwayne Dedman and Corey Joseph were very solid. And, and you know, you didn't really yep. know what you had with Rashawn Holmes, but a lot of people liked him. And uh, and you knew that Trevor Ariza was older, but and he was he was getting a little bit too much money. But at the same time, like, look... The Kings hadn't had a backup small forward that 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 was of that ilk in a long time, uh, you know, a, a much better version of what a much bigger and better version of what you thought you had with Iman Shumpert the year before. So, so look, I, I don't think there were a lot of people that were throwing dirt on this team. I think that coming into the season, you thought that they made the right moves to support the the young team that would hopefully grow you had some injury problems but look doug every team in the league had injury problems uh you and i have talked about this before i thought rick adelman was a true genius in 
um, and fighting through injuries, the next man up mentality, maybe the best ever at the the next man up mentality. I remember guys like Chris Webber going down and filling it with Brad Miller. I remember guys like Peja going down and filling it with Hito. I mean, there were countless times. It, you know, uh, Mike Bibby had what he he broke a wrist or a thumb at one point, and um, and you guys got through that without having any problems at all. Then he goes to to Houston and with the Rockets, he won what was it twenty one straight at one point, twenty or twenty one straight, and in game like nine, Tracy McGrady went down, and game eleven. Yao Ming went down, and they just kept winning. So at the NBA level, go go ahead. Yeah, the the difference in, like, what we had in plug-and-play in this is two different things. This is a rash of injuries, like, I I haven't seen in a long time. I I mean, Webb going down and then, you know, everyone getting healthy again and someone else. But this is happening, like, guys, uh, this is a little bit different. I will say this. The difference is, there was a culture that was set in place where it was a penciled in. It was a definitive what we need from you. And this is all you got to do. You don't got to go out there and do extra. Just make sure that you do this and the recipe will make itself. We, we got, we were able, you know, Bobby and myself maybe do a little bit more, but we had the ability to do a little bit more at that particular time, but you fill in and this is all you need to do right now. They're still trying to build that piece of culture and IQ and all those different things. And that, that's where it becomes a little bit different to, but I, I would agree with your premise is that you, you want to be able to be at that level where you plug and play and there's a seamless fit to the approach and all the different things. But right now the Kings definitively are still trying to, I, I say, learn how to play basketball. And that sounds crazy. I know the fans, but it is it is totally not when a guy is playing on the high side of you you go low you don't try to still go high and th- those are it seems simple but unfortunately we see it out there with the guys not taking advantage of the penalty and and all the different things that go along with having a basketball IQ that is conducive to winning in a league that's hard to get wins uh, it is a, a league that is very hard to get wins Doug um all right, well, you got a game to prep for, uh, as do I. Um, let's just, you know, what do you expect to see uh, between now and the trade deadline? And and what do you expect to see from this team in the second half of the season? I mean, can, can they, what would be, I guess a better question is, what would be success from here on out? Like, how would you gauge you know, I, success failure from yeah. here on out? You know, first of all, I would want to see some health. You know what I mean? I I need to see that because it's hard to judge them when there's no continuity and understanding where you can begin to pencil guys in on a night-to-night basis because guys are still trying to evolve and all these different things. But I would say even with the talent base that the Kings got, 500 basketball is totally doable. And that's what I would like to see at this particular time. I would like to see winning basketball, meaning uh, better than 500. But let's let's start there. You got 40 games left. Uh, You should be able to go 20 and 20 in 40 games. And these are going to be some tough games. I am prefacing that with the fact that I, I want to see them healthy to be able to do that. And also, I want to see the collective basketball IQ continue to evolve and start to make the, the, the right basketball play as opposed to 
what are you doing right there and why are you doing it? And if I'm seeing those two things, I will say this, this would be a success because I, I know they can compete and I know that they have the talent to win. They just have not done it. Yep. All right. Yeah. I, for me, I, I would like to see them look like a collective unit again. Like I, I do not like watching um, when I feel like when it looks like a team isn't competing at all. And um, as far as, you know, like I, I'm not sure wins and losses what they can do here. Um, I, I think they'll be lucky to win 30, uh, which is shocking that that they could fall so far. Um, and and actually, in order to win 30, uh, they would have to have a better second half than they have the first half. And I know that they've already missed uh, their window of opportunity of, of some soft games, soft scheduling. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I would also like to see the pace get, get back to what Kings basketball was last year. I would like to see them play with it, that sort of intensity and, and have a brand of basketball that to me is fun and interesting to watch. I do think that they will be active between now and February 6th. Uh, I do think that they will find a new home for Dwayne Dedman. Uh, I might be wrong about that. Um, I also wouldn't be shocked if they find a new home for a couple other players. Uh, while I, I have been told that it is unlikely that they will trade Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, I do also know that there's always a possibility there that they will, uh, that they'll change paths uh, at the last minute and do something different. Uh, I know that there are a lot of teams in the league that want to get their hands on Nemanja Bielica. Uh He's on a very, very friendly contract for next year at $7 bucks, and he's played extremely well for the Kings, and that ability to stretch the floor from the four or the five is something that's intriguing. So uh, I, accept, uh, I expect... Uh, some fireworks here, Doug, before it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, the Kings could, they can even trade Kent Bazemore at $19.2 million and take on a longer term contract or package a couple of these guys that you didn't expect to get moved and and make something, uh, make something happen here. So um, I think there's a lot still to be decided, whether it's on the court or off the court. Um, but as of right now, this team is in a funk and they need to figure out collectively how to get out of it. Absolutely, man. Well, I uh, it starts tonight, so I'm looking forward to a good game in Chicago. Hopefully we can get the win and get off this schneid because I hate losing basketball, but even more, I hate bad basketball. Uh, amen to that, Doug. Uh, that is definitely an affirmative. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Purple Talk Podcast. We've got a special Purple Talk Podcast next week. Uh, we will have a king of the day, De'Aaron Fox. Um, it should be an interesting week of basketball, weekend of basketball. Hopefully, uh, we start to see Rashawn Holmes heal up, uh, Marvin Bagley get closer to return. Uh, we're not quite sure when either one of those two players will play, but hopefully it won't be too long. Um, and thanks for tuning in. So for Doug Christie, I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to Purple Talk on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. Uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. 